the VCA Voice podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marie Curl. Our goal with the VCA Voice is to showcase how VCA Animal Hospitals is taking care of the future of veterinary medicine. We'll bring our purpose to life through meaningful conversations about care, our culture, and the communities we serve. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Scott Shaw, who is the Director of Patient Safety for VCA Animal Hospitals. Scott, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in veterinary medicine and where your career has taken you up to this point and also your time with VCA. Yeah, I'm actually a veterinarian because of a hurricane, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was a uh, an undergrad at the University of Miami when Hurricane Andrew hit. I knew I wanted to do something in science, but didn't really know what it was and ended up volunteering at the zoo uh, to help out. And that sort of sparked my interest in veterinary medicine. And two years later, I was in veterinary school. Uh, you know, I've, I've known you for a long time. This is the first time I've heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it is a true story. And it just goes to show how, how uh, random life is sometimes. And, uh, and mm-hmm. little things really, really change your course. So I w- ended up going to vet school at Tufts. And mm-hmm. while I was at Tufts, uh, a mutual friend of ours was an emergency critical care specialist. And then I stayed and worked with her for the first 10 years of my career after finishing my emergency critical care residency. And about eight years ago now, I left and joined VCA. And it's been a, a great eight years. I've been a regional medical director that entire time, really supporting our doctors and our teams in the hospitals. My area is uh, our specialty hospital, sort of in the northeastern part of the United States. In your role as regional medical director, tell me what are some of the great things about it? And was there anything that you wish that you could have been able to change? I think it's an amazing role because it's a role where you really get to make it what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a dozen or so regional medical directors in the company and we all do things slightly differently. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really about being in the hospitals and helping to support our doctors and our technicians in providing the highest quality medicine. And I think one of the things that I get to do, because I'm in a dozen different hospitals over the course of the year, is really have a sense of what works and what doesn't work. So when somebody has an idea, they're like, oh, we think we should try this. I can be like, I don't know if I would do that. I've seen it twice before and it didn't go so well. Or on the flip side, if somebody has a problem, I can have solutions because I've seen what's worked elsewhere Mm -hmm. and really save people a lot of trial and error. And all of that results in us being able to deliver great care as uh, seamlessly as possible. I think that's one of the really great things about VCA is you don't have to do it the same way. Our hospitals have a lot of freedom to, to be who they are and to be successful. And when they hit upon a great idea, it really does you know percolate up throughout the entire company and, and become something that we all do. Well, and the topic that we're talking about today, which is patient safety, really started like that. So tell me a little bit about how that became such a passion of yours. I've always been interested in hospital-acquired infections. It's an area where I did work when I was in academia. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's one of those things where I I saw an opportunity because patients come in and they're doing all right, and then all of a sudden they develop a a life-threatening infection. And I was really interested in what caused them and how we could modify those conditions to prevent them from happening and prevent that morbidity and mortality. As I moved into the role of regional medical director, I started to look at it a lot more broadly because I was working with so many different doctors in so many different settings. I was able to make some observations about patterns that we were seeing 
that resulted in, in potentially harm or longer hospital stays for our patients. We didn't really have a system in place to catalog that and learn from it and to think about that entire process and what we could do to prevent it from happening again. And that's really what, what started the journey for me within VCA. Patient safety is a huge area. What can you tell me about the human health care and medical errors and, and patient safety issues? If you go back about 35 years now, there was a paper published by the World Health Organization called The Air is Human. And it was really the very first recognition that people make mistakes and that as healthcare providers, we need to really provide systems and training for people to help to overcome our natural inclination to make mistakes. From there, really, that started the entire field of what is really a huge field in human healthcare, which is patient safety. And they are where we want to be and still continue to evolve and to grow. Things that we think about in our hospitals, things like sponge counts, mm -hmm. things like um, safety pauses before doing surgery, uh, checklists, those all come from the field of human healthcare, and we're starting to take those and bring those into veterinary medicine and figure out what works and what really translates well and what doesn't translate well, because we are, we are different, and the way we provide care is different. So much of their decision-making is built on data mm -hmm. and collecting large numbers of patient safety events, and we're just beginning to be in a position where we can really collect a lot of data. Uh, in fact, we're launching a pilot of a new patient safety event reporting system that we're hoping to use um, within VCA, which will help us to begin to really collect that data in a much more impactful way. Well, don't we already report the events that happen? We do, right? And we have a, we have a system in place for that within VCA and, and many other veterinary organizations do as well. Uh, what we don't have is the ability to code those well. So that when you want to combine 50,000 events, there's meaningful data. So it's not all free text, which is really, really hard data mm -hmm. to work with. Currently in veterinary medicine, most of the time when people think about reporting a safety event, it's because a patient died or a patient was severely harmed. But we can learn a lot about the events that don't happen, what we call near misses. So events where somebody noticed something before the event reached the patient. From a learning perspective, those sometimes are even more helpful for us than the ones that actually reach the patient. So if we could understand what caused that missed error to be caught before there was a patient hurt, we can maybe learn from it and then be able to take that learning and really spread that throughout the organization in a way that will be able to help patients in the future. Our hope is that our new reporting system will facilitate that and make it really easy for people to share what's going on while they're providing care to the patients. Scott, what can you tell me about human error and error prevention that we've learned from other industries outside of healthcare fields? Probably the most amazing industry when it comes to error prevention is actually the airline industry. It is amazingly safe to get on an airplane. In fact, it's technically safer to get on an airplane than to go get your mail. Wow. You know, that's, that's how safe the airline industry has become. And when you step back and you look at it, it's an amazingly complicated thing. I mean, an airplane is not simple. There are tens of thousands of moving parts that have to work together in order to take off and land and get you where you want to go safely. The pilots and co-pilots and flight attendants all have to be amazingly trained to work together. And they have raised 
their focus on safety to a point where it's the most important thing on an airplane. And they have built systems and recognized that everybody has to follow the system and follow the checklists and follow the same way of working together in order to be successful. And I think that if we were to take some of those learnings, well, certainly a healthcare setting is a different setting, we could really make a difference. And it starts with a buy-in that we really need to focus on doing things the same way every time and on communicating. Because those are the two key things that really drive safety within the airline industry. You know, one of the things that's actually really impressive to me about the airline industry is that when a flight crew comes together, very frequently, they've never worked together before. How have they overcome that? It's not something I realized until relatively recently. If you think about the flight that landed in the Hudson 10 or so years ago, that was the first time that pilot and co-pilot had ever flown together. Wow. And the amount of teamwork and communication it took for them to safely land that plane was amazing. And the way that they get there is training and a set of expectations. And everybody knows their role. Everybody knows what they need to do in a moment of crisis. And there is a strict adherence to the belief that if we follow these set roles and we stay in our lanes... My co-pilot is going to do exactly what he needs to do. I don't need to worry about what he's doing. I need to worry about what I'm doing. And then when we work together, we'll have a successful outcome. That's really amazing. They're able to get to the point where I know what I'm doing. I know what my co-pilot's doing, even though we've never worked together before. And when I think about where does that transport into veterinary medicine, I think about the surgery team, right? Mm -hmm. When I look at my really high-performing surgery teams, they're surgery teams that have worked together for a while. Everybody knows what's happening. The team's able to anticipate the needs of the surgeon before they happen. How do we build systems where everybody with proper training is able to come in and come out of roles really seamlessly without losing that efficiency, without losing that focus on safety? It's a completely different way of thinking about things than the way we've traditionally thought about it in veterinary medicine. But I think there's a lot to be learned from that approach that well-trained people can be successful in lots of different places as long as they're surrounded by similarly well-trained people. Why are near misses important? And I was at a lecture once where the lecturer said that the near miss is the most important patient safety event in medicine. And I think that's that's true. And the reason is, is that a near miss meant that we already have a system in place where something was caught before it reached our patient. The way I like to think about patient safety is I like to think about it as layers of Swiss cheese, right? So if you think about a big wheel of Swiss cheese, mm-hmm. on the outside, it looks really solid, right? You can't see from one side to the other. But as soon as you start to slice it into slices, those holes become apparent. Think about an analogy where every slice of Swiss cheese is one of the things happening in our hospital. It's the caregiver. It's the policies that we have in place. It's the environment. It's the equipment. And then when we lay all of those things together, we can't see from one side to the other, even though each slice has holes. So if you have a patient safety event, can't work its way through all of those different layers that we have in place. And when patient safety events do occur, it's because those holes align. Hmm. There's no single layer that doesn't have have holes. And a lot of times, one of the things that people always say is, well, if they'd been more experienced, that that it wouldn't have happened. And certainly experience is is an important one. And a lot of our near misses happen because somebody's experience keeps them from making the mistake. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've done math and, you know, looked at my calculator and been like, no, we don't give 10 mils of that drug. We give one mil of that drug. 
And my brain, because of my experience, has, has caught that. And so understanding where those near misses occur, was it caught by an experienced person? Was it mm-hmm. caught because a piece of equipment warned us something wasn't working right? Was it caught because we had a double check system in place? It can let us know where to invest time and energy in future trainings in order to, to make those holes smaller. We can't instantly make people experienced. Experience is something we gain by doing it. That's a hole that grows smaller and smaller over time. But if we're able to identify additional layers where we can make those holes smaller, ultimately we'll be able to prevent patient events from reaching our patient. And that's really what what we're trying to accomplish. In veterinary healthcare, given what we know now, what are some of the broad categories of events that happen, medical errors, patient safety events that, that are happening now? Yeah, our our biggest category is medicine-related errors or medication-related errors, followed closely by surgery and anesthesia and patient handling. Mm -hmm. Um, We we underestimate patient handling sometimes because it's a very broad category, Um, but medication is definitely our most impactful category, and it comes down to making sure we give the right medication to the right patient at the right time, the right quantity, at the right interval. Seems simple to say that. But there are so many things that come together in order to make that hard. We just talked about math errors, right? First, we have to do math correctly. Mm -hmm. Then we have to write a medical order that's clear, makes it very clear what we need done. Then somebody has to be able to read that medical order, interpret it appropriately, sometimes convert the dose from milligrams to mils, if that's a requirement of that particular scenario. Select the right drug off of the shelf. Many veterinarians have been part of a scenario where somebody's accidentally given Serenia instead of Convenia, mm-hmm. right? Easy mm-hmm. interchange mm-hmm. sometimes with certain medications. And then give that to the right patient at the time it's due. And once we put all of those steps together, we're able to give a single medication correctly. And when you break it down into those individual components, I think it's it becomes apparent how complicated even giving this dose of cefazolin, which is something we do every day, and one of the first things we learn how to do as, as caregivers, is actually a really, really complicated process. You know, you bring up a really interesting point with that. We're all human. We will all make mistakes throughout our lives. I seem to make mistakes daily. And when you put that in a critical situation like delivery of medical care, what are some of the reasons that people are prone to making mistakes? That's probably the the most important question to answer today. And it's for the same reason why when you went to turn on your windshield wipers the other day, you turn on your turn signal. We, much of what we do, particularly when you become highly skilled at what we do, is by muscle memory. Just the same way when you're driving along and you mean to turn on your turn signal, all of a sudden your windshield wipers come on. You know how to turn on your windshield wipers and you know how to turn on your turn signal. You don't need additional training in how to do that, but our brains go on autopilot. When they're on autopilot, they're not perfect. Then you combine that with working in a really busy, really dynamic environment with lots of distractions. And it's been shown very, very convincingly that the number one factor when it comes to patient safety events in the human healthcare setting is distractions. If you're working quietly and you're focusing on your task, your chance of making a mistake is a lot less than if you are hurried, somebody else is talking to you, somebody else is calling your name, uh, somebody's asking you a question over your shoulder. And as I'm saying this, hopefully people can all think of times where they've been in these situations where that is, has led them to make, make a mistake because they're not focusing on what they're doing. When you put all of that together and we, you put us working in a really, really busy dynamic environment, the fact that we're human, the fact that we make mistakes, 
and the fact that we get distracted and it's really busy, we sort of set ourselves up in that perfect soup to really, really be in a position where we can make serious mistakes. Nobody goes to work saying, I don't really care if I hurt a patient today, right? That's, there's nobody that's coming into the hospital in the morning feeling that way, but it does happen and it happens because of a combination of the environment, a combination of experience, and a combination of being human. All those things come together to produce the errors that we see. So earlier you talked about the new patient safety reporting system. I've heard that people are really reluctant to actually report errors. What can you tell me about error reporting and what are some of the barriers to that and reasons why people don't really want to say anything? I think that the number one barrier to error reporting is people are afraid of getting in trouble. They're afraid of being blamed for making mistakes. You know, they're worried about that and worried about being being judged. And I think that we need to change our thinking when we think about patient safety events. And this is where the airline industry has been very successful. It is not about blaming the pilot when an airplane crashes. It is about how do we prevent this from happening in the future and how do we build systems to protect ourselves from errors that we as humans are likely to make. And so if when an event happens, we culturally don't go looking for somebody to blame, we instead go and try and understand what confluence of events came together that allowed this event to reach the patient and what could we do in the future to keep it from happening in a very blame-free manner. People are going to be more, more willing to put their name on, on reports, to report, to share the information. Because my dream is that we develop a culture of safety where we can openly discuss these events, where we're not looking to place blame, where our goal is just to learn something from them. Every time an event happens, let's sit down, let's have a conversation, let's talk about what happened and what can we learn about it so that we can help the next patient. It's very unlikely that somebody is going to make the same mistake twice. Our brains don't let us do that, particularly when we make a severe mistake. Learning how I could take what I learned the hard way and make it an easy lesson for everybody else, that's really you know the secret sauce of patient safety. And we have to be able to talk about it openly and freely. And that's why having that no blame culture is so, so important. When there's a serious event in a hospital, what's the best way to support the individual that made the error and then the hospital team and help them to go through that? Because it's terribly distressing when that happens. It's devastating when a serious event happens in your hospital. And, you know, I just like nobody wants to hurt an animal. And the thought that you could be involved in harming a patient is, is one of the most devastating things that can happen to, to us as veterinary caregivers. And we have to acknowledge that. And teams need a lot of support. Our peers need a lot of support. And the first focus should be making sure that the team is okay and the people involved in the event are okay. There will be a time to talk about it. There will be a time to learn from it. There will be a time to make changes. But that's not usually right after the event happens. It really is about supporting people there are certainly cases where severe events happen where, you know, mental health professionals can, can be a huge asset for us. There are a lot of resources within veterinary medicine to help. And I think not being afraid to access those is, is really, really important. We're starting a program called Team Steps. And what can you tell me about where the idea from that came from and how that's going to help us in a, in a culture of safety? 
I'm really excited about the Team Steps project. It's something we've been working on for over a year, and we are about halfway through our pilot. And the results so far have been really, really amazing. Team Steps is a toolkit of communication tools Mm -hmm. built for healthcare that are designed to address common issues that we have within uh, medical settings. For example, uh, rounding or giving briefings to one another. Mm -hmm. How do we teach people to do that quickly and effective? How do we empower teammates who may feel afraid to go approach somebody about an unsafe situation? How do we empower them and give them words to use to communicate that? That's really what Team Steps is about. So Team Steps actually originally started in nuclear submarines. It was a series of communication tools designed to help um, the military communicate in crisis and in really, really stressful situations. And then it made its way over to human healthcare and became a suite of communication tools. There's about 20 of them at this point, each of which address things that are happening every day in hospitals where communication isn't occurring the way that it needs to. Mm -hmm. It provides complete training on that particular tool. We saw an opportunity to bring that over to veterinary medicine. We were uh, lucky enough to be able to work with Johns Hopkins in doing this. And they're really one of the leaders in team steps in human healthcare. And they have helped us take the trainings and the learnings uh, from the human setting. And we've developed 14 different communication tools for use in veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. And the one that I think is probably the most impactful when I first talked to teams is one that's called See Us. And See Us is a tool that empowers anybody in the hospital. Okay. The person that mops the floor, a CSR, an assistant, a technician, a doctor, to speak up when they see an unsafe situation. It empowers them when they don't get the answer they need the first time or they don't feel like that, that they're being heard. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a CSR the other day who was really excited about CS. You know, she had just had a situation where she had an owner. The dog had had surgery the day before. The owner had called three times. She, her sense was there was something really going on with this patient. But she couldn't get anybody to get on the phone and talk to this owner because everybody was really, really busy. And she really felt like if she had the ability to use the CS words, which is, I'm concerned that this is an unsafe situation and that we need to deal with it for this patient's safety and welfare, right? And we, you know, when we talk about it, we talk, sort of talk about them like safety words, right? When somebody comes to you with the CS words, mm-hmm. it's about stopping what you're doing listening to them and making sure that you really address their concern, you know, even though you're really busy and there's a lot going on. So it really empowers the team to feel comfortable speaking up and advocating for their patients. And that's just one of the 14 tools that are available. Not every hospital or every team needs all 14. And that's really the the great part about it. You can pick and choose the ones that are really going to work with you and your team. We have lots of technology in our hospitals and technology is always advancing. Is there a role for technology to mitigate or prevent errors? Yeah, there absolutely is. Many people that have been around me have heard me say that one of my goals is for veterinary medicine never to do math again. (laughs) Uh, We make math errors. Math errors can be very impactful for our patients. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason for us to do math. There is technology that can do it. It can do it correctly. It can do it accurately. And it can do it quickly every time. And so when we think about how can we leverage technology, we'll go back to the medication errors, which is what I said is one of our biggest categories of error. 
We can use it to make sure our math is correct. Mm -hmm. We can use it to make sure that patients don't have contraindications for any of the drugs that we're prescribing. We can use it to ensure that we're giving it to the right patient at the right time. But it is a double-edged sword because that technology sometimes comes with an additional burden in terms of time and energy that it takes to provide care. And if anybody's been in a human healthcare setting, you can think of, you know, you have your wristband and they scan your wristband and they scan the bottle and it seems going you know, to take forever for you to get your Tylenol. So we have to figure out how it is we use technology to prevent those errors without adding so many layers of care that it becomes difficult to give care. I think leveraging technology is, is really a big part of our future. Within VCA, you know, we have Care Planner, which is our digital treatment sheets, and, and we have Wolfware, which is our, our mm-hmm. electronic medical record, really looking with those teams, you know, how it is we integrate good checks and double checks. That's a big part of using technology is not to let it be burdensome to the process of caring for our patients. Yeah. Your personal experience in the ICU must have really been eye-opening in many ways. <laughs> well, we're about at the end of our time together. Where can people go to learn more about patient safety and what does the future look like for developing a culture of safety in our hospitals? Yeah, well, um, with, within VCA, we do have a patient safety page in mm-hmm. Wolf Connect that you can link directly from the medical operations page. It has a ton of great information, example checklists, um, various training aids, lots and lots of great stuff there. And, and obviously, anybody's always happy to reach out to me. And as we go in the future, we're going to later on this summer be spending a lot of time as a company talking about culture of safety and building the culture of um, no blame and a culture of reporting, which I think is a really important step as we progress towards making Luke care as safe as we possibly can for our patients. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. And Scott, thank you so much. I, I always enjoy talking with you and I'm really, really pleased that you agreed to be a guest on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining. Thanks for having me. It's been really, really great to talk a little bit about patient safety. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. Don't forget to leave a review to let us know your thoughts and share the episode with friends. Follow VCA Animal Hospitals on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more inspiring stories, visit our website at vcavoice.com. Mm-hmm.